Good morning. Hi. Um, it's the first time I get to preach on a Sunday morning, uh, so be uh, prayerfully considering uh, my words as we uh, go forth. I'm extremely nervous, but as always, uh, as I said on our Thursday night uh, gathering, um, it's always a pleasure to, to be standing in the congregation and being able to sing praises to one another as we edify one another in our words and and what we say as we sing these praises to God. So it's encouraging to my heart to hear everyone behind me singing instead of standing here and seeing lips move but not necessarily hearing anything. But it's, uh, it's great. So um, I'm going to begin. Let's, uh, let's start. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians 6. Uh, we'll start in verse 10 in the whole armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your gospel of peace of which you equip your people with to move forward. God, this peace that we give to other people, the peace that has been given to us, we may freely share. God, guard us by our faith. Help us to stand firm and quench the flaming darts that the enemy throws at us. And God, I pray that this time will open the hearts of our people here today, that they may hear your word clearly, not Greg's words, but only your word, that it may encourage them in ways that they ought to go. And I pray this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, my mom's here today, so that's pretty cool. Um, she uh, has a very nice story because uh, we're going to be going through uh, 15 through 16 today. Um, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of pe- peace, is the first part that I'm going to talk about. But she has a shoe story. And she got grounded for it, I think, uh, at some point. 
Um, so my daughter, much like her grandmother, likes to go ride her bike. And oftentimes, she wears the wrong footwear when riding her bike. And I remember a story that my mother told me. She said one time she was riding her bike in flip-flops and got her heel cut in the chain. And so it got caught, and it actually ended up, it's kind of gruesome, I don't want to go there. But I tell this to my daughter as, a, as, a, as an insight, as a wisdom. You need to wear the right shoes to do the correct thing, right? So the idea here is you can't go along riding in your flip-flops on your bike because Endry is waiting. Endry is just right at the door waiting to happen. Um, so as with God's people, as we're being told to take up this whole armor of God, um, we have to understand that we need the right equipment. And, and Paul tells us this. He lays it right out for us uh, and what we're to be prepared on, what we are putting off in the previous chapters, the old self, and putting on what God would have us put on and what he's equipped us to put on. So the first point we're going to get into today is that gospel readiness is a movement in evangelism. Gospel readiness is a movement in evangelism. Paul is writing this section to, to show an urgency to the current combat we're in. A lot of times we don't realize that we are being opposed by a variety of different forces, spiritual and physical. But he's writing this because we're in combat. So he's using this physical example to represent a spiritual battle that is happening. Um, you could think of a soldier. A soldier does not run into battle without being prepared to fight and equipped with the correct gear to be fit for the battle ahead. You don't run with rubber bands to a gunfight, right? So Paul gives these physical examples and their characteristics to display the characteristics that we should be equipped with in our everyday life in these battles. He does this in a particular order that I find fascinating, but when you take a closer look, it kind of makes sense because they kind of feed off each other. It's just not in their function, but how they're used. So Rusty went over last week the belt. The belt of truth is the first thing that a Christian must put on the wage of battle against the evil one. The next is the breastplate of righteousness. We discovered last week that righteousness can only come from the truth. You have to know and be equipped with the truth to guard the primary organs. So the breastplate guards the primary organs, and this righteousness guards the inner self. The inner being, I guess you could say, as it is, as Paul talks about. So the next equipment that Paul encourages us to take up is shoes shoes. So, me and Rusty were talking about this the other day, about pump shoes, right? Getting the readiness. You guys remember those from elementary school? Yeah. So, you had the little bulb on the, on the front of, the, of your shoe, and, and you go to the playground, and you'd be playing, like, dodgeball or whatever, and you're like, okay, four pumps in this one, four pumps in that one, and then you're ready to go, right? 
You, you put on your shoes, you pump them up, you're ready to go. Uh, then, then something happens like the air bladder and one of them ends up breaking. So then you're, like, you're having to constantly like, pump it back up so you can be ready to go. And I, I think a lot of times, you know, what we're going to get into is we want to put the wrong shoes on for the wrong thing. Um, and there's only one pair of shoes that God gives us and equips us with. And then that's the only thing we need to worry about. Um, but Paul, Paul didn't say like sandals, because that's the common wear of the people in this time period. They would wear sandals, right? I mean, everyone's seen, you know, like the straps of the, you know, they're called Jesus sandals. Everyone, you know, they wore sandals in the day. But if you could think about this war aspect, we're going into war. I think if you wore sandals, it sound like, you know, Jimmy Buffett, Margaritaville. You, you know, blew out my flip-flop, stepped on a pop-top, you know, type thing. It's, it's the wrong shoe to wear. The, so the shoes the, sh- the Roman soldiers wore were so important to them. It was important to them because it's how they moved. He does this for a reason. The gospel in moving. He compares it to shoes and readiness, being ready. So, I'm going to describe the Roman soldier shoe for you guys, because this is what Paul was standing at while he was in chains. Okay, he had a sentry, he had a guard guarding him, and he would see this Roman soldier. And, and there's something very particular about Roman soldier shoes that kind of uh, should spur us on to thinking about how the gospel is a firm foundation in us. The, they had thick soles, okay? And oftentimes they had metal studs in the bottom of them. Some of the Roman soldiers would actually put nails through the soles of their shoes. The shoe Paul is talking about are not only the shoes that allow you to cross dangerous terrain, so they were like cleats, but when, they face, when you face the enemy, they were able to keep you secure and stable and have a strong foundation. Think about this. A lot of times, you know, this is hand-to-hand combat, right? So they're standing in the fields. It could have rained the day before. And the last thing you want to do is fall and have a horse trample over you. And this is the idea. This is a stable, sure foundation that the gospel has and that these Roman soldiers wore. Shoes for your feet. Now, Paul here um, in this is making uh, an allusion to Isaiah 52.7. Isaiah 52.7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of whom he whom brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. The feet who bring the good news of salvation, to bring the gospel to everywhere that we go, these are the shoes that we need to be equipped with. Paul does not have in mind a barefooted messenger to take the gospel to other people. The image here is a Roman soldier's sturdy sandal, which give him stability and protection in battle. Ironically, 
the peace that comes from the gospel's readiness is one for war against evil. So where are you taking up the peace? The good news of Jesus Christ. Where are you proclaiming salvation? If at all. What's the battle that you're waging? And what is keeping you firm and true? I think like my feet and my wife will attest to this, and even some of us today, we could take a look at our feet and take a big whiff and smell that they stink. They smell. We stink at evangelism. We, in general, don't have a clear focus on evangelism in our lives. This is because we want to get past the gospel. We want to find stability in other things. We want to wear our Air Jordans on the mountainside with slippery terrain instead of putting on the mountain boots that God has provided for us for stability. We get our eyes focused on stupid things. They seem good. Maybe even some of those things seem biblical. But they're really just a scheme of Satan to keep us distracted from our foundation. We never get past the gospel. And if we do, we are lost. This is a great thing about the gospel. Is it's something that you never get past. It upholds you, it guards you, it keeps you, and it makes you move. This is the gospel of peace. This is the gospel of salvation unto which we proclaim our God reigns. The enemy will try to take away the footing we have with everything. But the only thing we have to stand sturdy in is the one thing that keeps us. John Piper said this in one of his evangelism sermons. I want to say just a word about the gospel of peace, the gospel that we have for the world, for our lost dad or sister or neighbor or classmate or colleague or unreached people group. The gospel that we have is the good news that God purchased peace by the death of his son and offers it to sinners who believe in Jesus. We have the good news that God's omnipotent wrath against sinners has been taken away through the death of Jesus for our sin. And everyone who believes is reconciled to him freely by grace. And in the place of enmity comes peace. And there's nothing sweeter in all the world than to be at peace with God. So where do we go with this gospel of peace? Where are we waging these wars? The battle is relentless. It is hard. It is every day. But we have to understand that as we go forth with this gospel, we are going to face opposition. This peace we bring is a peace between man and God that has been purchased for us by him alone. We are protected and stable in the gospel, and the second we want to veer from such sure stability it gives us, evangelism is lost.
And so are the people who need this peace. Remember, Paul doesn't just tell us to put on the belt of truth because we like truth. He doesn't tell us to wear the breastplate because we want to seem righteous. He says to put on the whole armor of God. I think a lot of us like truth. I think a lot of us are inventors of our own truth as well. I think a lot of us enjoy righteousness but I see it as a righteousness that we manifest, a self-righteousness. But some of us cling too heavily onto that instead of putting off and putting on real truth and real righteousness. But Jesus, he was the ultimate one with beautiful feet who came with gospel shoes announcing peace to the Jews and Gentiles. Those who know Christ have His peace and have this same mission. This is a battle unlike any other battle. We're not taking life. We're offering life. We are even willing to lay our lives down because Christ laid His life down for us. And we know in hope that he will raise us up with him. The devil, the devil, he fears. He hates the gospel because it's God's power to rescue people from his tyranny. It's God's power to rescue us from his tyranny, both us who have received it, and to those whom we share it with. That's a hope. It's a readiness. So we need to keep our gospel boots strapped on at all times. Be ready to take every opportunity to move the gospel into other people's lives. Because we were there. We were dead. And when we bring life, we don't bring death. And death and self-doubt, self-righteousness, false truth or things or the arrows that the devil gives to us, that he throws at us, that he slings at us. And we have to be agile and be able to move and be protected protection comes next. Paul talks about the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. There are no circumstances where you should not be protecting yourself by faith. No circumstance. So Paul's sitting here in chains, riding, and he sees this Roman soldier next to him, and he sees a shield. 
the Roman shield was large enough to cover the entire body. thing about the Roman shield is, like, what's it made of? Well, I found out. It's made of wood. It's covered with hide and bound with iron at the top and the bottom. Oftentimes, it was many layers of wood to, to keep it sturdy, but it was wrapped in this hide and, and then bound together almost like a pillow, like you would see... Um, uh, what's a better example, like an upholstery, you know, type deal thing. Um, this, uh, this particular construction made the, stir- made the shield strong and sturdy and also added little weight. The wielder of the shield would be able to move the shield to protect himself in any direction. So... Why is it so necessary for a Christian to be equipped with a shield of faith? We know what faith is, right? Maybe. We should know what faith is from Hebrews 11. I'll read it. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendations. By faith, we understand the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith, this is something that is not seen, but is seen, right? It's seen through our convictions, seen through how we communicate. It's seen to our trust. It's seen through our actions, who we associate with, what we go, where we do. This goes back all the way to treasuring Christ. I use the word abiding say abide in Christ, which means to treasure Christ, in the hope that is to come. This is all in hope of what is to come. That's what faith is. Faith is seen through our hope. Now, hope, to me, seems to be a little bit more proactive as opposed to defensive, as Paul's making it, the shield of faith. It's protective but I also see it as proactive. We're moving the shield. We're guarding ourselves. But faith in itself seems like an activity rather than just a passive protection purpose. Uh, You know, uh, we're told, you can see it throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. Testament, have faith in this. Jesus even says, O ye of little faith. So does that mean like that determines the size of the shield? Like how how much faith you have? You can have a small shield, small amount of faith, a big faith, a big shield. I don't know. But it is something that we are to possess, something we are to use. God in himself is a great shield, and we, we have it when we put on Christ, believing the promises of God, living this idea without fear and all humility. We live faith out and are protected by believing and loving what God says about us. 
am what he says is ours. So take up your shield. I want to take a moment right now and have us reflect on some of the things that God word, God's Word says about His people. I'm going to run through a list here. Romans 15, 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encouragement. That's what we're to be. That's how we live by faith. We encourage one another of the hope that is to come in Christ's return. 1 Corinthians 3.17, If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For his temple is holy, and you are that temple. First Corinthians 3.16, Do you know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love. John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me, Though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall neither die. Do you believe this? It's our faith. It's our belief. It's our living out our convictions of what God has said about us through his word and what he promises us, eternal life. It's really encouraging to see what God has to say about his people. And I think a lot of us, maybe, you know, even when I was reading through this in my heart, a lot of us feel kind of gloomy about it, melancholy. We don't feel like we're living out this faith. We don't feel like we're, we're trusting and God's word, understanding his truth, abiding in his righteousness, taking the gospel protection by his faith. But I assure you, as Christ believers, as Christ followers, we could take up our shield of faith and in confidence, and have confidence in its protection by the belief in his promises and hope of what is to come.
because the evil one is throwing flaming darts. Now, we have to understand the intention of our enemy isn't just to try to pierce us with these darts. He's not just trying to injure us. He is trying to destroy us. That's why they're on fire. So, um, uh, camping experience. Have you ever tried to make some wars with little kids? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Yeah, so you feel my pain. So my daughter will put a marshmallow on the end of it, and she'll try to make it like golden brown, this perfect thing. But inevitably, it catches on fire, right? And then instead of like holding it close because she doesn't want to catch on fire, she'll like wave it around like that. And then all of a sudden, like, uh, well, the flame doesn't go out, but the marshmallow, the flaming marshmallow goes and gets stuck somewhere, right? And whatever it's stuck to ends up being engulfed in flames, right? Those are the kind of darts that the devil is throwing at us, at the evil one. Um, we compound this, you know, in ourselves even. But he's throwing flaming marshmallow darts at us. And they stick. And they burn. And they will engulf you. It's, it's not just a piercing. It's not just a seeking to enter you. It is something that will destroy you. I know I, know I used a really funny analogy to kind of depict that, but it, it communicates well. It's, it's not just an injuring. It's a total engulf of flames. And we need protection. That's why, that's why we have that shield. That's why we have the shield of faith. Uh, at first, uh, you know, I think, like, why does Paul use the word extinguish flaming darts, Right? I, I, does he, do you like hold the shield up and wait for your shield to catch on fire while the flaming darts are hitting you? No. This is common Roman practice because it, it had that hide on it. What they would do before they went into battle, um, they would dip their shield in water. So when the enemy would throw their or volleys of, uh, of arrows that were on fire, they would hit the shield and be extinguished. So no further, you know, like injury could come from that. Um, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool idea. But that's what he means by extinguish. That when we have this shield of faith, we're holding up and the darts come flying at us. Not only will they not hit us, but they won't engulf the protection that we have. It can't withstand it. So, just think about this, like, if we are using faith, how many darts could be evaded? How many of them could even be defected? And how many of them could be extinguished in our lives? I think of a lot in my own. What darts are you protecting yourself from? Those darts, if you're unprotected, they will harm you. So we need to live by faith to live in that protection. And, and faith is the true extinguisher of those flaming darts. Faith provides that perseverance and that hope based on the truth revealed and the convictions lived out. Romans 1.17 says, For 
in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith just like a physical shield darts may still hit but they will not be able to enter us not enter us how maybe thinking like how is this invisible awesome faith shield going to not enter us well I think they can enter us spiritually if unprotected and they can enter us physically if unprotected the attacks of Satan cannot pierce a Christian who is living in the assurance of things hoped for and this faith we have will allow us to take refuge in God for he himself is our shield it is in faith we flee to refuge for him for faith lays hold of the promises of God in the times of doubt and depression, and faith lays hold on the power of God in times of temptation. That's a spiritual battle. These things being thrown at us could be a variety of things, but I think of depression, self-guilt. I think of things that want to enter us to our core, and faith in God. God extinguishes those and protects our hearts from those things. So living by faith produces that righteousness. And the thing is that the darts are always going to be flying. And we have to be able to trust the shield to protect us by his grace through faith. Now physically, there are physical effects to believing the lies of Satan. We were just told in Ephesians 5.3 to not let uh, sexual immorality, greed, impurity to be a part of us. We are to put off those old things that we wanted and put on Christ. And I, and I think he names these in specific and then he goes into protection uh, because these are sins that can defile your body. They can range from diseases to desires. These things can lead to physical ailments and they can last a lifetime and they can destroy families. I think a lot of us um, are too proud to admit that we have a lot of these struggles, that we allow them to seek in. I think uh, when you think about covetedness or gambling or different things like that, They can lead to things such as a lust, a want, and even in some cases an addiction. And I think that our problem tends to be that we're addicted to our self-righteousness. We want to be this proper, prim, church-going people and we're missing the point a lot of times especially when it comes to evangelism and living by faith we all have struggles we all have things that we deal with and I think a lot of times we can err on the self-righteous end 
of the spectrum. Myself, probably one of the foremost in cases, for sure. But we all know, and we could trust God's word, and we do know the warning that from sin, the only end result is death. Death is the end for these seemingly desirable pleasures that are no pleasures at all. But God, God, he has been gracious in all of our circumstances, right? We're here today. We're in his house, praising him with one another in community. There's no more beautiful picture than that of his bride coming together. And he has withheld the fullest extent to our beliefs and the lies of Satan. We have faith to protect us spiritually and physically. Faith acted upon the word of God and applying that, acted upon the grace of Christ and improving that quenches these darts of temptation. And we have the perfect figure of faith, right? His name is Jesus. And Jesus did this. He lived by faith perfectly. Right? So Christ, I would say, is the pioneer of faith, of our faith. To have full atonement made for us, Christ has to be fully man and fully God to withstand the wrath that was poured out on him for his elect. Christ was fully obedient to the Spirit to the point of death. And this is seen even when Jesus foretells his death in Matthew 16. For that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Wow. That's pretty hardcore, right? He is so in tune and step with the Spirit, believing in faith that he is going to go die. And then when somebody says, no, you're not going to die, I, I got this, he's like, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance. You're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And that's what faith is, setting our mind on the things of God. Now, perfect obedience and abiding in the Spirit of God, that is faith, and Christ lived that out for us perfectly. We also know that in Luke 2, 41, uh, we all know the story how, you know, Mary and Joseph, you know, they end up leaving, they take their whole clan, and then they realize, like, oh, where's Jesus? And then they go and they find him in the temple. And, but the thing is, like, about that in the temple, 
the very last, the verse there, um, but I think before the chapter break, in 52, it says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So this faith is a growing thing. This treasuring is a growing thing. And Christ, even from a child, grew in this faith, in this understanding, in this wisdom, and in the stature of man before man and ultimately before God. So how can someone increase in knowledge? Christ was obedient to God through faith, living out the law perfectly from birth till death. Fully human, protected by using his faith in God to withstand the temptations of the devil. Jesus' faith protected him from the darts of the devil when he was being tempted in the wilderness. How are you growing in knowledge of the word? How's your faith improving? How easy is it for you to see the darts coming? That's why I tell my daughter, Put on gym shoes when you ride your bike. Right? I see the darts she may not see. I see the temptations that she may not see. Each of us in in a church as a body, we see darts. What do we do? Trust God, trust his word, grow in knowledge and righteousness and love and live by faith in everything. So I give you this encouragement. Take the gospel to all places and know that you're protected because our duty is to take up and put on the whole armor of God and then stand our ground and withstand our enemies, right? We do this together. It really is a beautiful picture. So, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for giving us our faith in your gospel. The gospel that we get to proclaim every day with our words, with our actions. God, give us the feet that move. Give us the feet that cross treacherous terrain that we may see the people who need your life and give it to them. Change their hearts, Lord. Give us strength and encouragement. Protect us by your faith and help us to, as a community, as Renovation Church, live in pulling up the whole armor of God, putting it on and putting off our old selves. Get to the hearts of your people. And I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.